Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is it too soon to play all those fantastic Christmas songs on repeat? Never. Also, yes. Oh. Coming to you almost live from a chipmunk's Christmas. This is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. We've got a really great uh, show for you. It's not our Christmas special, but it's so close to Christmas, and Scott and I are so excited about that. That we have the chipmunks singing in the background. It's, right. it's distracting. It, it, we, we've turned down the uh, audio on them so that uh, you're not completely distracted by them singing this whole time. But Does that mean that in the middle of the show you're going to yell, Alvin! And none of our listeners are old enough to know what we're talking about. It's true. Well, no, they had that resurgence lately with the uh, CGI movies. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got a really great show for you today. Uh, on top of having a couple of the greatest stories we heard a couple weeks ago at Story Slam, we also have a very interesting woman with us on the show. Uh, she has been recognized in a multitude of ways. She is the technology columnist for CBC Radio on Edmonton AM. She is the uh, CEO of Kickpoint, a company here in Edmonton that does is a digital uh, agency. Um, let's see what else. She was recognized as one of the next 10 in Alberta Venture. Uh, she's been on a panel at Capital Ideas, uh, which is the Edmonton Journal's uh, new sort of startup venture. She's given talks at Media Camp and at WordCamp, and most recently... She was recognized in Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40, ladies and gentlemen, Dana DiTomaso. Hello. What did I miss? Because I, I know well, I missed she's something. She's a previous unknown studio guest. That's, that's right. That's true. That Probably her most important. most important accolade. That's true. That's true. You did, you did forget that. And also not sick this time, unlike last time. That's right. Mm -hmm. you were, but you were nearly sick for this one. I was nearly sick. I was yeah. sick when you wrote me. Now I'm not sick. Well, it's so good to have you on the show. Sorry, I was drinking coffee, so that was the awkward pause there. Um, and the awkward swallowing noise. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to do with that, Scott. Uh, the reason we wanted to have you on the show is because the last time you were on was our live show, uh, which we'll do again sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. But we only got to spend about 10 minutes with you. I know, it was very sad. We, I don't really remember a lot of it. I was drank a lot of Buckley yeah. before. Well, and, and I was drunk, so I don't remember it either. But I remember it very clearly. Do you? You were, both of you, basically animals. <laughs> yes. Excellent. I think all of our listeners will agree. Yeah. We were basically feral, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, you were drunk and she was high, so. Yeah. It's like a good Sunday to me. It was like, <laughs> it was like an episode of The Walking Dead. It was great. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you've been up to a lot uh, over the last, well, since we talked to you in June. Mm -hmm. I've been a little busy. What, what have you done uh, in your life? To make things interesting. I tend to say yes to things. Yes. And clearly I should stop doing that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you um, said yes to being on our show. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I did have to move a dinner engagement, though, to mm. make sure that I was on your show. So Thank you for doing you're that. You're welcome. Uh, we do not cater. So I apologize if you were led to believe there would be food here. I was promised a buffet. Okay, well... Yeah. A buffet of, of intelligent conversation, I think, is what I said when I talked to you. Oh, I need to be clearer <laughs> next time. <laughs> So, yeah, basically I keep saying yes to things, yeah. and I keep running for things and applying for things, and it, pe people keep saying yes to it. So, you know, I'm also on the board of the Advertising Club of Edmonton. Good Lord, I forgot and, about that. Yeah. So we if were you, just talking about If that. you tweet Ace, that's me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, or Facebook Ace or any of those things. And uh, I also co-run the Girl Geek Dinners with Brittany LeBlanc. Those were the two things that I forgot. That's uh, okay. One of them we had touched upon the last time you were on the show, because we yes. did talk about the Girl Geek Dinners. Yeah, we talked about that quite a bit, actually. Yes, we did. I find it really interesting that that's the thing that people have kind of latched onto as the thing to talk to Dana about is women in technology. It's not something I was ever expecting to happen. Now, as a person who runs Girl Geek Dinners, mm -hmm. obviously you've had the problem of many fake 
geek girls being at these events because apparently that is a thing. Oh, all the time. We actually check people at the door and we ask them oh, several Star Wars themed questions. You make, and if they you make can't sure that they them, have the geek cred to be allowed if in. If they've the only dinner. seen the new Star Wars and not the original, they're not allowed in. Okay, well, yeah. that's just reasonable. Now, for those of you who aren't aware of what we're talking about, this came about, this has come about a lot of discussion online, but particularly following a panel discussion at Pure Speculation. Uh, James Leask and uh, Brandon Schatz were on a panel talking about everything geek. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Brittany LeBlanc, friend of the podcast and friend of yours and yours and, and mine. Friend of everybody. Right? Everyone's, She's everyone's friend, friend. Brittany LeBlanc, uh, fake girl geek, w got involved in the discussion and afterwards, and I'm joking about the fake girl geek thing. I was there too, by the way. Okay. Yes. So were you part of the discussion as well? I was part of the discussion, but I had to go right afterwards. So okay. poor Brittany got saddled with the angry people afterwards and I managed to avoid that completely. So this was more than one, one person that was angry. I think there might have been two. So two guys afterwards came up and talked to her and said, in fact, yes, there's such a thing as fake girl geeks, mm -hmm. and they're only doing it to seduce sweaty nerds at Comic-Con or something? Like, what was yeah. the premise? Do you remember? I think they're angry that there are hot women at conferences who don't want to have sex with them. You, I'm angry about <laughs> that all the time. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I don't... I don't know. I mean, one of the stories that I told, and this is um, a really great blog post, and unfortunately, I don't remember who wrote it right now, but if you Google puzzle box and nerds, I imagine you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how a lot of nerdy men who don't have a lot of experience with women don't treat women like human beings. They treat them like puzzles to be unlocked. And so what happens is that they say, okay, I'm going to approach this woman, and I need to push this button, pull this lever, and then the treat will come out, and the treat is sex, right? Yeah. But if the woman says, screw you, buddy, I'm not interested, he's like, oh, obviously hit the wrong button, got to start again. Let me try resetting the puzzle box and starting from a different angle. So what he thinks is being clever, as in, I will find a way to get what I want. I'm going to trick you into having I'm gonna sex trick with you me. Or I'm going to figure out the, the series of moves, the A, A, B, B, left, right, up, down, you know, <laughs> right? That will unlock the, the sex move. Um, instead, turns into, dude, you're being creepy. I'm going to report you as a stalker now. And so the cognitive dissonance experienced by stupid male nerds from this results in them the claim mm -hmm. that these women aren't real geeks because yes. a real geek would succumb to their... Well, and the real geeks uh, are not, you know, attractive are not dressed well, or spend too much time dressing up in fun cosplay costumes and not enough time reading comic books. I'd, like, I don't really understand the problem, mm -hmm. but there it, is. there it is. So who gets to define what is geeky and what is not geeky? I don't think anybody else gets to define it. I think you define it for yourself. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I, and I think that it comes from, you know, as a, as a nerd in high school, you probably got shoved in lockers a lot. And so what you want to do now is virtually shove other people in lockers to make yourself feel better. Yeah. But other people are saying, you can't do that. That's not cool. We're all adults now. Yeah, and you're picking on other geeks. Yeah, it doesn't so really serve the community. Yeah, you're, you're preying on your own at yeah. that point, and that's... Mysterious. It's bizarre, yeah. and it's it's wrong. Mm -hmm. I would say that a person who claims another person is not a geek is themselves not a geek. Holy shit! Perhaps there's geek imposter syndrome. People worry that they're not geeky enough. Yeah, but see, okay, we're, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome later because I love that, <laughs> uh, and I know that you have it, mm -hmm. and I know that I have it, and I'm sure that you have it. Oh, almost certainly. Yeah. Um, now. Uh, the idea behind geek imposter syndrome would suggest, because to me, people with real imposter syndrome, and if you don't know what it is, folks, just Google it. Um, it's really interesting. If you're a geek that has geek imposter syndrome, you're probably legitimately extremely geeky. Mm -hmm. But because you are uh, self-effacing and neurotic in the true Woody Allen style, you're going to be concerned that you're doing it wrong. I, I don't know enough about comic books. You know, like, I read lots of comic books, but when, you know, Brandon and James talk about comic book, you know, and they throw these names around, I have no idea who they're talking about. I might have read a comic book by one of these people, but I don't pay attention to that stuff. Does yeah. that make me any less nerdy? Well, no, because you have your own avenue into nerddom, one would presume. You, mm -hmm. you are uh, possessed of a, of a greater encyclopedic knowledge of some other aspect of Apparently it's of video geekery. games is there what I go. discovered at, on the same podcast. Oh, really? Brittany told a story about the uh, Girl Geek Dinner that we had in October where Lisa Hagen spoke. And the wildcard question was, what video game was your favorite video game ever of all time? And I had played every single one of the video games that was mentioned there except for one. And Whoa. it wasn't a duplication. These were separate games. Holy shit. Yeah. 
I'm impressed. You are a true geek, Dana. Well, except I've never played an NHL game, which I'm now doing for the Edmonton <laughs> Journal Contest. Oh, right. Yes. yes. I thought you were going to say just to say that you have. No. <laughs> like you needed to fill that gap in your I, knowledge. No, I never really felt a drive to play NHL on the PlayStation, uh, but now I have it, and I've actually won three times in a row. So, What team are you playing as? Uh, the Canadians. Oh, wow. Because Hamilton doesn't have a team. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. I'm playing through... Uh, "Quote unquote," playing through a season, uh, and I say that only because the th- the two people I've been playing with been unable to get together regularly. So it's playing through "quote unquote" once every six months. Yeah, but that's basically uh, what the NHL is doing. As the Winnipeg Jets, now. and it was entirely because <laughs> we decided to play as the Winnipeg Jets, and we were going to take them to the cup. We are the best team in the league, <laughs> uh, and it is hilarious. Uh, and uh, that's all I'm going to say. I also never thought I'd really be into sports games, but I find it's. Uh, it's fun when you have the right company. I yell at the TV a lot, which is usually a good sign that I'm enjoying myself. So uh, I'm I enjoying knew, it so far. I knew I was enjoying myself when my friend Kim shouted, kick him with your knife shoes. <laughs> <laughs> knife shoes. Is yep. that where that comes from? Yes. Okay. That actually reminds me of a time when I went to an Oilers-Dallas game when Chris Pronger was still playing for Dallas. <laughs> and uh, someone directed in the crowd behind me, directed one of the Oilers to stab him in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I, you Chris Pronger is not a popular man in this city No, anymore. he is not. No. And, and this was even before he did the asshole thing that he did. But, you know, I've never really gotten into sports games. Uh, I, I've played them, but never gotten into them because mm-hmm. there's no story there for me. You know, the story is you're either winning or losing. And, and I like, you know, I like games that have more of a narrative than that. And yeah. I just don't f- – maybe the new ones are, are like that. But I think the last one I played was um, John Madden for the Dreamcast. Fair enough. That was, long that was not a good John Madden game, as I understand. Most of them aren't, though. No, but so, I played it. There you go. I suffered through it. My favorite game is right now is Civ Five. Ooh, yeah you've, yeah. you've always been a big Civ geek, though, right? Well, no. Not, I'd never played Civilization until Five because okay. I knew it would take over my life. And you and were correct. It actually is the thing that got me from not playing World of Warcraft anymore. So so you found a new I sort found of... a new addiction. But this is easier because you can walk away at any point. You're not going to come back dead. Ah, yes. Because it's turn-based. <laughs> yes, because someone else isn't killing you while you're not paying attention. Yeah, so, you know, you can just kill it, it, cool it for a while, and you'll come back later to bomb him. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. What are you playing right now? Uh, there's a couple games I'm interested in that aren't out yet. Ooh, that, there's a couple games I'm interested in that I'm, I'm hoping for Christmas, but there's a couple that I... Okay, so I just got a new computer finally. Yes. Uh, obtained Steam. Oh, it's a wonderful tool. Welcome to 2010. Indeed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did not have the, I literally did not have a computer that could run Steam prior to this uh, with any modicum of success. Yeah. Um, so I have entered the modern age of PC gaming at long last. <laughs> um, but I've been going through uh, Steam Greenlight and I've been finding games where I'm like, I want that to come out. I want that to come out. I want that to come out. I found a zombie game I'm interested in, Ooh. which is impressive because I don't like zombies anymore. Anymore? I find them boring now. Really? I think they're overdone and overblown, and I'm tired of all of the same zombie game coming out. Mm. But there is one that is not the same as the rest. And what is this game It is called? a zombie survival strategy game Oh, called Zafe House Diaries, with a Z because <laughs> of the I've zombies. I've heard of this one. Uh, it is available. Mm-hmm. It's not available on Steam yet, but it is available, and it looks really neat. Mm. Have you ever played a Rebuild? For the iPhone? No. Uh-huh. You should check that out. Is that also a zombie survival it's a, thing? The zombies are there, but you're trying to rebuild a city. Okay. And the zombies come and attack you, and you have to assign people to do things. It's actually quite a lot like Civ, but with zombies. Interesting. Hmm. I a believe I will download a that. A different sort of zombie game, as opposed to I am in first-person view with a gun, and there are zombies coming toward me. You know, the, the game that I'm playing right now, or I just finished playing for the first time through Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. which is terrific. Yes. So I started playing Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, it's not your run-of-the-mill zombie game, be, mostly I think because of the setting. I think that changes it enough in my mind. But you know me, I'm obsessed with zombies. Uh, and all it made me think is, why hasn't anyone ever done a really good zombie western? Uh, someone just did. It, and it was that patch to Red yes, Dead Redemption, Yes, that's right. Basically. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or like a Victorian-era zombie thing. Or yeah. like Westeros infested with, well, that's probably what the White Walkers are, basically. Yeah, that's basically they're building up to a zombie invasion. Don't, right there. I haven't read the books, I'm just watching the TV show. Oh, oh it's in the TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't worry about it. You're okay, fine. all right. Now, okay, so you, you're, you, you say 
you say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, you said I do to your wife, Ashley, uh, this summer. Yes, I did. The last time we talked to you, you yeah. were just about to... It hasn't been a busy year at all. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And so, then I'll come back and start a, yeah, start a company. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we get to the, the company thing, mm -hmm. uh, what has married life changed you guys at all? Do you still feel pretty much the same? Yeah, pretty much the same. Every once in a while we'll say, we're married. In this kind of incredulous, <laughs> how did they let us do that sort of tone. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And we get to say, have you met my wife? Which is a lot of fun. Because people will either be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I haven't met your wife. Or they'll be like, oh, wife, oh. And then figure it out and then move on from it, which is also a lot of fun. And no one's ever terribly douchey about that? No. You don't Not hang to my face. You don't hang out around those people, I, I No, I don't leave the city. No. Also, I, th I think... <laughs> In, in, and this is not only in Canada's defense, I think this is in Alberta's defense. I think that there are um, a lot more accepting views mm -hmm. uh, in Canada than, than even south of the border uh, when well, it comes to same-sex relationships. And I think even here, people are more relaxed about it than in Hamilton. I've never experienced any sort of on-the-street homophobia here in Edmonton, whereas we totally had in Hamilton. Really? Oh, more than once. People come up to us actually in this grocery store, which was like the gay grocery store in Hamilton, <laughs> and would give us a hard time. And I would just let Ashley handle it because she, she's good at that sort of thing. Oh, I bet that'd be hilarious. It's pretty fun to watch. But, yeah. you, you know, we're just out getting groceries. You don't need to come and tell us how we're going to hell. Thank you. You know, and I've never seen men holding hands walking down the street in Hamilton, whereas I see that here on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. So I think Alberta has kind of a live and let live sort of attitude, and Ontario's more in your business, what's yeah, the, going on. The only thing that raises Albertans' rancor is, you know, the National Energy Program. Yes. So when Ottawa tries to take something away from us. If Ottawa tried to take away same-sex marriage from Alberta, holy shit, that would be a crazy. People would lose their minds. I'd kind of want to see that happen, just I, to see what would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would signal the death of the Harper Conservatives. I hope they do try it. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so you got married, mm -hmm. and then you relaunched your company, or you, you started a new one? Well, I kept hiring people, and then it got awkward for people to say, hi, I'm Jen, I work for Dana. <laughs> so I decided that I needed a company name. Right. And so I came up with a company name right before I got married, actually. And I had one employee at the time, Jen Salamendic, and I emailed her the name, and we had a discussion about it, and she was really excited about it. I said, you know what, okay, let's do this in November. Um, because I need time to get the logo done and everything else, and then we'll do a launch right before Christmas, and then January will come out strong when most business stuff happens. But then right after I got back, I ran into Jen Banks at a London Drugs, and we had a discussion. And so her and Sarah Sinfield ended up coming over as a package deal. And uh, so I said, oh, crap, I better go launch the company name sooner <laughs> rather than later. So that's what happened. And did it change the way you were doing things quite dramatically? I, I assume having employees does. Yeah, it always does. Um, the thing that was most dramatic is getting uh, Gen Banks to handle sales. Why is that? Oh, because you had to do that yourself. Because I was doing that myself. And I'm not a very good salesperson. Um, what I do is I talk to people and I instill confidence in them that, yes, we can do this for you. And, you know, this is how much it's going to cost. And it's kind of a, here's the proposal, take it or leave it. And I'm kind of terrible at follow-up. So write me if you really want to go ahead. <laughs> Not the best sales tactic, but right. when it was just me, it was fine. But when you're dealing with a larger company with more people and more salaries and mouths to feed, then you have to get somebody else to come in and handle those things. So how does, uh, how has your stress level changed? Has it gone up or down? Well, I'm, has it Sideways? gone up? Yeah. <laughs> it stayed mostly the same? It's stress, more stress about some things, less stress about others. And as, you know, Jen and Sarah, especially because they're the people who are kind of my lieutenants in terms of actually getting stuff done, mm -hmm. um, as they learn more, like Jen's been with me for almost a year now. And Sarah's just been with me for a few months, but she has sort of the groundings in SEO. She's not starting from scratch. So as they get more experienced in what they do, it takes more off of my plate, which means I can sit back and think about the larger, more strategic things, yeah. which is my eventual goal is to have enough people doing the stuff so that really I just need to make sure that the strategy is happening and then sit back and think about the larger strategic directions of Kickpoint. I love the idea of sitting back. Yes. That sounds lovely. I know. And at some point, maybe I could actually go on a vacation to a tropical destination and not check my email for a week. It's crazy talk. Dare to dream. I know. Well, I when I was on my did honeymoon, that. did you? Yeah. Yeah? On my honeymoon, as okay. a matter of fact. He kicked I was, back. <laughs> I was uh, in a place where the uh, data plan was uh, not feasible. Mm -hmm. And so my phone was mostly packed away for the entire time. I was incommunicado uh, with the 
exception of the occasional text to my mom, just letting her know that I was alive in Turkey, had not been murdered. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, then I came back and had literally 101 emails. Holy shit. When I landed in Edmonton, that all popped into my NQ. I had uh, 620 <laughs> when I came back from my honeymoon. and But this was longer. It was like the wedding plus the honeymoon. It was all a package deal. And I didn't check my email. I was in Tofino for a week. And I didn't check my email. But I had my phone with me so that uh, Jen could text me if anything went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. But she managed to handle everything and nothing went horribly wrong. So it was nice. Now, what, Baby is, it, steps. what is it like to have... Two gens on staff. Is that confusing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and and we can't hire another Sarah because I asked Sarah Sinfield if we could just to make things nice and balanced. She said, "No, no, we can't." So you're looking for another Dana at this point? Well, we decided maybe we should hire a man for a little <laughs> yeah. diversity. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we'll put out a press release that kickpoints now embracing diversity by hiring a man, and uh, <laughs> through through the policy of affirmative action. Yes. Yep. So we mostly call uh, OJ original Jen. Okay. Yeah, uh, not the you know. Bronco driving murder. <laughs> Strangler? Yeah. Is that a word? I don't know. Strangler. The guy with the gloves. Strangler is a word. The, yes. The guy with the gloves. And, and Banks is a... Uh, OJ and Banks. OJ and Banks. It sounds like a comedy duo from the 1930s. A little bit like a vaudeville act. Yeah. Or maybe an early rap band. OJ and Banks. Yeah. yeah. Lloyd Banks and... And uh, <laughs> OJ Simpson. I mean, I, uh, yeah, who, who else is it going to be, yeah. really, yeah. at this point? Yeah. And there's, so there's no confusion, no confusion at the office anymore? No. That's good. Yeah. Great. I, I think we're good. Excellent. Um, now, all of this yes saying mm -hmm. to things, uh, do you think this is what helped uh, to bring you to the level where you were recognized by Avenue Magazine as one of the top 40 under 40? I think so. I mean, it's interesting, the top 40 under 40, because that's actually, you're nominated. Right. And then you have to fill out a very large form. Which is a giant pain in the ass. It's a huge form. It's for people who don't know. Like there are a lot of questions on there. There are things like I I don't know. You know they ask you how many hours of volunteer commitment that you do, or why do you feel you deserve this award, or you know like kind of weird sorts of questions that are like as someone who tries really hard. I mean you you read out this list of com things and you think of course Dana's promoting herself all the time, but I actually don't do a lot of like self horn tooting. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to have to write out a survey that basically says tell us how awesome you are. And, and handle that. And so it was an interesting exercise to go through and talk about that stuff. And I knew when I filled out the application, I knew about the next 10. Right. But it hadn't been announced yet, so I couldn't put it on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that, that came, came out, out in like, July, right? Yeah, and yeah. I found out about it, I think, in May. Yeah, because they work about a month and a half in advance. Yeah. At Alberta Venture. Yeah. And that was not an application. That was an out-of-the-blue email from the editor saying, hey, you're on the list. That's cool. Yes. And that's the kind of list actually that is really amazing because that's the kind of list that you can't like lobby for. Right. Or put in a really good application that answers all the questions. Just so. So for that, they spent a little bit of time interviewing you? The next 10, I mean? For the next 10, um, yeah, they just said, hey, you're on the list and somebody will call you to write up an article. Cool. So I had a really quick phone call and they mostly did it themselves. And for Avenue, it was the photo shoot plus a much longer article plus fact checking and yeah. all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you're, you're not a native Edmontonian. You came out here from Hamilton. Yes. Was it your deliberate um, thinking to want to become the sort of uh, pillar of, of this part of the community? I had no idea what was going to happen when I came out here. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I left because my wife uh, is doing her PhD at U of A. Right. And she applied to McGill, UBC, U of A, and York. And I was like, you know, York, Toronto, I've lived in Toronto, I can do that again. McGill, I like Montreal, UBC, yeah, coast, sounds great. Edmonton, never been to Edmonton. <laughs> I heard it's really cold. I hope she doesn't get in there. Yeah. And then she did. And I thought, oh, crap, because they gave her the best package. The You know, it was the perfect school for her. So off we go to Edmonton, a city I've never been to. Even in the times I've driven across the country, we just went through Calgary. We never came up here. Damn it. Monsters. I know. I know. <laughs> We're like, ah, Edmonton, who needs to see that? It's like an extra eight hours out of the way. We'll okay. just go through Banff. We don't need to go to Jasper. And uh, so now I'm in Edmonton, and I really had no idea what was going to happen. And um, I knew, I tweeted, hey, Edmonton. You know, we talked about it the last That's thing. right, yeah. And uh, Jerry followed me, and uh, Joyce Byrne was introduced to me through a mutual friend in Toronto. And that was pretty much all I knew. And I showed up, and I went to Ace, and I thought, I'm just going to introduce myself to a bunch of people and see what happens. And I had this solo consulting business. 
and maybe I'll keep that going or maybe I'll get a job. And I looked at the ACE job board actually for quite a while because I wasn't sure if I should keep going with the consulting business or if I should go and try to get a job somewhere. Yeah, and nothing nothing of interest came up. Nothing really interesting happened. So I just kept doing the consulting thing and then I got busier and busier and I thought, okay, well maybe this is gonna be a thing here. So you, you started this consultancy when you were back in Hamilton. Yeah. But you also owned a business that was around uh, website hosting, wasn't it? Didn't you? I had a hosting and design business. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when I first um, when I first graduated from school, I worked in software. Mm-hmm. And then after my second software job, I got laid off because the economy tanked. And I used my really fantastic severance package to start a web design business called Liquid Design. And then I added on a hosting business to that because all the web hosting was terrible at that, at that time. time yeah. At that time. And so I had Liquid Design uh, for many years, and I had a business partner in that business. And Liquid Design closed because uh, my business partner left quite suddenly without any warning. Oh, dear. Yeah. So I had to shut things down. <laughs> and uh, I, mean, I didn't have to, but it was really difficult to – it was a big blow to come back from. I can And imagine, I felt yeah. that the best thing to do at that time was just to kind of close things up. And so I worked for another company for a year which was a terrible decision. I mean, nothing against them. It wasn't a good fit for me to become an employee, and I wasn't in a good space. So, right. And I appreciate them trying it out for a year. And then I met Ashley in that time. Mm-hmm. And then I would say about six months into us dating, she said, oh, hey, I'm thinking about applying for PhDs. And then about four months after that, oh, I'm going to U of A. So I was like, well, let's move in together right quick and see if we can actually get along before we move together to Edmonton. Wow. So, And I think that if I still had the full business, I wouldn't have been as open to moving to Edmonton because I had employees, I had an office, and I wasn't working out of my house. Um, so really the move came up at the right time because I wasn't encumbered by all the stuff that I had when I had liquid design. And then shortly after I moved here, I sold the hosting business as well to one of my clients who hosted a whole bunch of websites with me. Cool. Yeah. Well, that really worked out uh, yeah. quite randomly mm-hmm. even. Do you have a business plan, but you're not sure where to go from there? Do you want to increase sales? Get noticed? Wow your audience? Make your mom proud? We've got you covered. We're connected, we're creative, and we're innovative. We are strategy first. If you've got a great product or service and you want the whole world to take notice, call Focus Communications. Let's start a conversation. Go to focuscom.ca. So many stories, so little time. Yes, ladies, gentlemen, probably not children because Adam has a potty mouth. It's once again time for our regular coverage of the Edmonton Story Slam. Every month we make our way to the event and record all the amazing original tales from some of our city's creative luminaries. Then we feature the night's winning story on our podcast. But before we get to the winning story... We also like to feature one of our favorites. This month, we have Jan A. Jamison, who has a tale about relaxing in a foreign place. This past summer, my husband and I found ourselves in Beirut for our honeymoon. Because when one thinks of the sexiest place on earth, the Middle East is the first place that comes to mind naturally. We were lucky to be staying in a very nice hotel, one of the few around that wasn't pockmarked with 30-year-old bullet holes. And because of that, it was a very busy hotel. And when Omar and I decided to indulge in a very sexy, sexy couples day spa, that uh, the man at the counter said, no room, sorry. That's okay, Omar said, ever the optimist. We'll be in Istanbul tomorrow. We can go to a bathhouse. The Turkish have been perfecting the art of the spa for literally hundreds of years. And as luck would have it, when we arrived at our little Turkish apartment, we discovered a bathhouse next freaking door. The honeymoon gods were smiling down on us. We waited until the end of our day, partly so we could work up some achy adventure muscles and partly for the thrill of delayed gratification. We were both too excited, too excited stumbling into the bathhouse mid-evening. After an entire day of exploring ancient mosques, tripping over cobblestones, watching people cry over a museum that claimed to have Moses' walking stick, I had never been more ready to be rubbed down by a stranger. After we paid up front, the man in charge pointed Omar towards his change room. He eyed me up and said, come. I researched enough to know that men and women are split up, but he took me outside and around the corner. The building was almost 700 years old in a really obvious and sexist kind of way. 
In order to get into the woman's bath, you had to walk a block down and enter through a tiny steep stairwell, the stairwell of repressed womanhood. <laughs> Anyways, after being instructed to take off all, in, all of my clothes, I moved into the large street steam room where the magic happens. There were two women waiting in there already, trying to cover up their nakedness and speaking Hindi to one another. I took a seat beside them and felt the need to cover everything that I could manage. It felt really bizarre to be sitting in a strange room in a strange country with strangers. All of us wet, naked, it seemed rude. Your first time at a hammam? One of the Hindu ladies turned to me and said, yes. It's embarrassing, but oh well, the other one said. We sat there, boobs a-hanging, and briefly chatted about how they were vacationing from India, and I was on my honeymoon from Canada. We bonded. It was nice. You! All three of us jolted out of, as a very large, old Turkish lady entered the room. Everything about her was round and low. Her belly button was hidden deep in her creases, and her breasts, like poorly stuffed sausages, hung from each clavicle. She pointed at one of the other women. You! When nothing happened, she looked at us like we were all imbeciles and pushed the lady sitting on the farthest side. Turn, turn. I breathed a sigh of relief that this woman would not be touching me. It didn't matter, though. They were all the same. Enormous, ancient, and worst of all, it seemed that they were very, very angry with us, and I didn't know why. To be fair, they also seemed very, very angry with each other. <laughs> My scrubber, I never learned her name, uh, but for the first five minutes of her time spent screaming, sorry, screeching at the other angry scrubber. Gah! I swear that's what they said to each other like crows. <laughs> then she noticed I was wearing glasses. I had forgotten to take them off. Blind, she asked. Yes, I said. She rolled her eyes and said, turn. I lay there staring up at the ceiling as this woman vigorously pounded and scratched at my entire naked body. I pondered over how mere hours before this, I had people throwing scarves and cloaks all over me before I dare entered the blue mosque. I don't get you, Turkey. This is what I thought about as my shrieking scrubber furiously, furiously lathered my vagina. <laughs> then came the relaxing process of being waterboarded. Buckets of cold water endlessly poured on me, all of us, as we begged them to just wait, and that's enough, God, I'm rinsed, I swear. The last bucket was too much. My glasses slid away from me and stared back at me from where they had landed, judgmentally, you fool. With that, my scrubber tugged and slapped my hair into a messy braid or something and said, done. I left the ancient room like a baby mouse, pink, wrinkled, and naked, squirming and whimpering. I put on my clothes and stumbled out with more excitement than I had stumbled in with. I thought for a moment I should wait for Omar, but then I thought, fuck Omar, I'm going home. <laughs> I had, been I had been home five minutes when he stepped in, bewildered and confused, his spine bruised. He squeaked, what the hell was that? I guess you can only try to perfect the spa for so many hundreds of years. Yikes. Well, on to this month's winner. This month, Margaret McPherson was the sole survivor of the story slugfest emerging from Thunderdome with a tale about hunting. I grew up in the Northwest Territories, where hunting is a cultural event, a sort of bizarre local mating ritual. If a guy liked you, he'd ask you to go hunting. So two weeks into grade 11, this guy, Alvin Thrasher, asks if I want to go after geese. I gulp and nod yes. Alvin slopes away. How does one dress for a hunting date? I borrow a plaid Mackinac from one of my only brothers and a, a, a hunting hat with ear flaps. It's fall. We're leaving at 5 in the morning. It's cold. I'm ready, but I'm nervous. Sure enough, 5 a.m., there's Alvin idling in his tow truck. He leans across the bench seat, pushes the passenger door open. It's a heft, but I'm in. The cab is hot and close. Alvin smells like a smokehouse, like deer hide and cigarettes and gunpowder. Our jackets match. We head north of town, neither of us talking. There's ice glinting in the ditches, fog on the road. Half an hour later, we stop in a gravel pit. Alvin hands me a rifle, a 410. He's casual. It's my mom's, he says. Is it loaded? I'm holding the rifle away from my body like it could explode. Sure, he says, but the safety's on. Follow me. 
The bush is dense. It's still dark. We walk a good quarter mile until we come to a bulrush blind, a sort of straw fort on the edge of a pothole lake. My feet are cold in my rubber boots. My fingers numb. The rifle is heavy. Alvin flicks off the safety latch. Oh my God, the feeling is exhilaration. I'm alert, alive. This is the best date ever. <laughs> the birds startle in our presence. They churn across the water, flapping, splashing, until at last they lift off. Their wings whistle. I can feel their panic, the flurry of their escape. I stand because Alvin does, and like him, I point my rifle to the sky, close my eyes, and pull the trigger. I'm hunting. <laughs> then something awful happens. A goose falls from above, tumbles straight down, splashes into the lake less, less than 100 yards from in front of us. Alvin whoops, you got one. I got one? You got one, says Alvin. How am I going to get it? It's way out there. Yeah, says Alvin, go see. But but it's cold. There's slime. Alvin's fr Alvin frowns. It's your goose, he says. You can have it. Alvin does not smile. It's my goose. I go to the edge of the slough and wade out. Cold water floods my boots. My jeans are wet, and still the blob of floating feathers eludes me. I wade further into the duck shit pond, to my knees, to my thighs, and as I'm about to grab the stupid goose, it comes alive. It frothes and twitches and squawks and closes its bill around my arm. I scream, my feet slip beneath me, and I'm down in the freezing sludge with the bleeding bird clamped on my wrist. Oh my God, but thank goodness Alvin's there. He grabs the bird, wrings its neck, and writes me in exactly the same moment. I'm soaking wet, covered in stinking algae, weeping with rage. The goose is fucking dead. I hate the goose. I hate hunting. I hate Alvin who sends me to the truck to warm up. I sit shivering, filled with self-pity and misery for half an hour until he bids me come out. Grudgingly, I open the door, and immediately I see a small fire, a battered pot steaming. There are bloody bones and pin feathers nearby. Alvin hands me a bowl of broth, and as I drink, the salt, the grease, the wild, meaty flavor, and the care he's taken melts my anger, restores and comforts me. He has plucked and skinned my bird on the spot. He has quite literally cooked my goose. <laughs> As Alvin douses the fire, another flock of birds fly overhead in perfect formation. The rising sun catches their wingtips, I see that they are magnificent. They are heading south, and I know that I will follow them soon. And although I may never hunt again, I understand that I have tasted something pure and lovely, something that assures my return to this northern place. Alvin seems to know too, for in his barely there smile, I see an enormous and all-enveloping warmth. Thank you. Congratulations to Margaret and to all of November's readers. Edmonton Story Slam goes every third Wednesday of the month at the Haven Social Club, 15120 Stony Plain Road. You can come down and enjoy it for free or bring a story all your own to read. Maybe we'll see you there December 19th. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out the Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. We should take a moment, as we always do at this point in our show. That's right. This to, exact point. <laughs> literally. Uh, if you time every show, <laughs> you will find to the second, to the nanosecond, this is the very moment where we thank our sponsors. What Scott just did was lie. <laughs>
<laughs> because he's not, he's not right. But we do thank our sponsors every time. And our sponsors include Focus Communications. Recent additions to the Unknown Studio family of sponsors. As of the beginning of this season, uh, Sue and Dean and their platoon of crazy communicators have uh, supported us monetarily, retweetily, and dance partially. And we are indebted to them, except that we're not. They are indebted to us. So thank you, Focus. <laughs> and of course. And of course. Where would we be today? Literally out on the street, yes, actually. Yes, probably. If uh, not for Guru Digital Arts College. The, the Hogwarts of, of digital arts in Edmonton, in fact. That's right. If you go, you will be taken into a grand hall where uh, the... Dumbledore-esque headmaster Owen Brierley will put a, a cap on your head and the cap doesn't talk but he will tell you what house you are sorted into yes and that house will be the house that you paid to be a part of <laughs> by house I mean program that's correct and they have a number of programs too many to mention but among them are illustration uh, digital design and uh, they're going to do an audio program soon, I believe. They're They've just... been talking about it for a while. Yeah, but I think they, because they're a school and a private school, they still have to get approval from the government for you know, certain yeah. things. So but they're suffice working to through say, it. If, uh, if you want a career in the digital arts, if you are into computers and online stuff and art, all of those things, this is the place to go to learn more about it. So find out more about them at GuruDigitalArts.com. Do we have any other sponsors? Just ourselves. And thank you to us. Do you believe in the secret, Dana? Were you visualizing that, <laughs> that this is what you wanted your life to become? If only I could sit on my couch all day and just visualize success and then it would magically pop into my lap. That yeah. would be great. Before the podcast, Dana mentioned that she wanted to write a book to... to compete directly with the secret yeah. and what would it be called uh you have to work a whole hell of a lot and then maybe you'll be successful <laughs> yeah. yeah also show up yeah yeah you want to know why no one would buy that book because nobody wants to actually work for their success that's right everybody wants to just have it land in their lap. for me it would just be like oh fuck i have to read a book to find out that i have to work hard to I find know. out that i might be successful it seems a little counterproductive jesus Whereas people will buy a book that says sit on your couch and get successful I'll and never... they're like sold i will read that book because i want to do all of that i will never forget when a friend of mine told me about the secret and said that he believed that it worked and he explained the principle to me like this imagine you're walking down the street and you've spent the whole morning or whatever visualizing that you want to see only red cars. And all of a sudden, you start to notice red cars on the street. And there's a, there's a term in psychology for that. It's called cueing. It's yes. actually mm -hmm. setting up the expectation in your brain. It's, it's almost like applying a filter so that even if you see a whole bunch of black and white and yellow and gray cars, you're only going to care about the red cars because that's all you've been thinking about. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like people who... who I don't know, what would be... It's like when you hear a, a new word for the first time and then you keep noticing it everywhere. Or, the, or someone who's like, man, I think I'm really going to get into bass guitar music. You start listening to music and suddenly you can filter out everything else and all you hear is the bass guitar. Mm -hmm. It's a simple, stupid trick that our brains are designed to do to help us identify things and move about the world. And so to focus on things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I just can't believe that people are falling for this. It's all Oprah's can, fault. It's all Oprah's fault. But I think you can train yourself too to to be a certain way, right? And this is one of the things that people talk to me about all the time is they say, oh, networking, I'm really bad at networking. And I say, well, why are you bad at networking? Well, because I hate small talk. It's like, well, networking isn't actually making small talk with people over wine and bad chicken. You know, networking is going to a place and probably talking to the people that you already know there. And if you don't know anyone, which I've had to do a couple times, you pick somebody who looks friendly and they're your friend now. And then hopefully they will introduce you to other people. And the trick with networking is to find that person who knows everybody, staple yourself to their side, <laughs> and then don't harass them. Don't come up to them and say, hi, I'm Dana. I do internet marketing. Would you like some internet marketing? I have some internet marketing for sale. You come up to them and say, hi, I'm Dana. What do you do? Tell me about your business. Oh, hey, I just read something that can help you with that. Give me your card. I'm going to send you an email with a follow-up article about this thing I just read about that can help you. And a really great question to ask is, have you been seeing red cars everywhere as well? <laughs> That's, that, that's, that's always just yeah. an icebreaker. You know, yeah, yeah, so, exactly. I mean, really, the person that I found and knew everybody, and I stapled myself to her when I got here, was Shauna McConaughey, who oh, was yeah. the former co-organizer of the Girl Geek Dinners. That's right. And she knew all the people. So I spent, like, I remember Guru had uh, their fall 
event. Yeah. And I went to that and I met pretty much everybody who I know now at that event because Shauna went around and introduced me to everybody, including Lisa Hagen, my current office mate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Shauna is still one of the biggest connectors in Edmonton and she lives in Toronto. No, it's no. remarkable mm-hmm. how she's able to do that. Um, so you, I call it witchcraft. It, it, yes, it is. It's, it's actually her own secret. Um, there's a pentagram under credo that uh, <laughs> that she drew there yeah yeah, yeah. she like just throws chicken bones and a little bit of blood and, yeah whenever and she then stops people in. know each other and then people begin networking yeah, yeah. it's remarkable it's magic um so you've achieved all this success you're also on the radio on monday morning yes and it's i want to very early i know i was just gonna say how the fuck do you do that i set three alarms is that right yes and do you go to bed early on Sunday evenings? I try to. I rarely succeed. However, my little sleep app on my phone tells me that I have the best sleep mon- Sunday to Monday because it's so short. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't give the cats long enough to irritate me, <sighs> I think. How does that... Okay, we've, now I've got a few <laughs> questions I want to ask you. Okay. First, let's finish with the CBC. Yes. So yeah, three alarms. What does um, that look like in the mornings? Like, tell, tell us about what Monday morning's like. It's hard to get up. You th- three alarms. Yeah, it's dark. Well, it's always dark. It's especially dark now. Even in the summertime, though. Even in the summertime. Actually, in the summer, there comes a point where it's light out, and that's really exciting. I and that's bet. actually one of the things that I struggle with the most about Edmonton is how do you people handle it? It's so dark here. Well, I guess part of it is I know the days are really short, but it's often sunny. It hasn't been lately, though. No, lately no. it hasn't been. I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm going to say on average, it's sunny. I know, but that's one of the shocking things about moving here was the The, the long, sun. the long nights. I didn't really, like, I knew it was further north. I didn't really think about it until it was the equinox. I'm like, this is terrible. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are there only four hours of light? Yeah, yeah. Um, the first winter was rough, for sure. A few weeks ago, uh, some, some suppliers from Vancouver came into Edmonton, and I spent the day with them for my day job. And they were like, wow, it's sunny here during the day. And then at about four o'clock, they're like, where, what happened? Why is it getting dark? And we're just like, oh, you know, position of the earth, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, this doesn't happen in Vancouver. Well, like you it's, don't see the sun all winter in Vancouver. But it never gets quite so dark. That's true. And certainly not that early. So yeah. I could see that being trouble. The also, sun just kind of dips to the horizon and then it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's behind clouds. Yeah. <laughs> so you never notice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wake up, I, you know, crawl down to the CBC um, I get free parking on the street because it's oh, so yeah. early. That's yeah. great. And uh, then I just hang out in the control room until it's time for me to pop in, do my five-minute chit-chat with Rick, and then I go to the office. And how, how much prep do you do for this usually? Um, it depends on how difficult the topic is to choose it. So mm-hmm. sometimes they'll email me and say, this is what we're going to talk about. Um, like this week was picked by them, but I like the topic. Oh, good. Um, other weeks, it's, we have no idea, please come up with something. And then we bat topics back and forth. And then I shoot them some example questions that they could ask about the topic. They write the question line, send it to me to make sure there's nothing weird on it. And then off we go. Cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you've been doing this for how long now? Uh, since the summer. So six months now, I think. Yeah, because you were doing it when we had you on the show the last mm-hmm. time. You had you had been doing it for a little while, I yeah. think. Yeah, because we talked I about. I got it. it just after media camp, which I think was last winter. Right, because you met yeah. you met Rick there. Because I re- met Rick there, and my media camp talk, and this is when people are like, "Oh no, you can't do talks that are critical. You won't get anything good out of it." And my media camp talk was pretty critical. Yeah. Of the whole media advertising industry as a whole, and I got my CBC column out of it. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, when I when I do hear it. It's either because I'm, no, it's never because I'm awake that early, but it's often because it gets shared on Kickpoint's website. Yes. So I'll go back and just listen to it for yeah, the day. Yeah, they post them usually about noonish the yeah. next day. I think the only people who are actually listening are um, Lucinda from the journal told me that she's actually awake and listening at that time. Why? I don't know. She's got a newspaper to run. She's got a why. newspaper to run. News doesn't sleep. <laughs> and, um, she wants a t-shirt well, that says that, yeah. I'm sure. Also my mom. Oh, yes. It's, it's 8.40 in Hamilton, so oh, yeah. she's up. It's fine. So she'll just live stream it off the off CBC yeah. Edmonton? Off the interwebs. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we've covered, what have we covered? Almost all the things that you do. Yes. Girl Geek is one of the things you said you're really well known for. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys just had one recently, didn't you? Or We had to cancel the last one because oh. of low ticket sales. Darn. We couldn't hit the minimum the restaurant needed, so hmm. which is too bad because it was uh, a room who does uh, traffic this traffic engineer with the city of Edmonton. Oh yeah. That was, it's going to be fun, but I think it was just, it's the holidays are upon us and it's really hard to find enough people who can come out on a Monday night during the holiday season. So that's okay. Hopefully we'll, 
we'll rebook her for January. We're meeting next week to book dates for 2013, so we're going to announce all those. Cool. And on average, how many of those do you do a year? We do typically eight. Okay. So every six weeks or thereabouts. Thereabouts. And then we take a break, nothing in December, and then nothing over the summer. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Edmonton Girl Geek Dinners uh, is obviously the target audience is girl geeks. Mm -hmm. They can bring a male guest if they choose. But men can only be there as a plus one. That's right. Yes. But there are lots of ladies who come who don't have a plus one. So if you are a dude and would like to come to Girl Geek Dinners, you can probably find a plus one. Just tweet us and we can set you up with somebody. And I would suggest that you do go because the caliber of speakers that you guys get is quite remarkable. Mm -hmm. I, I don't... I don't think you've ever even had an average speaker. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's been, uh, we've been really lucky in getting great speakers. It is tough to find speakers, for sure. Because they, you, you want them all to be girl geeks. Yes, and they should all be awesome. And, and informative. Uh, and, and informative. And, and yeah, so I mean. You don't want to be bored. We have, you know, a wish list. Like, I want to meet a female brewmaster to come oh. and talk about beer. It's hard. There's one down in Calgary but we don't have any budget to bring people up here. Hmm. So we have to wait. You know, one day I want Felicia Day. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, one note about Felicia Day is I was looking through Apple TV. She's on a, um, uh, a, she's in a movie from the video game that Bioware people make. Dragon, nice Dragon Age. Oh, Dragon yeah, Age. Dragon okay. Age. Oh my God. It looks terrible. Oh dear. It looks so bad. Like, <laughs> Obviously, when someone gets stabbed, there's CGI blood that squirts in front of the camera. I can't believe it was made. Speaking of CGI, uh, while my wife and I have been sick the past few days, we've been rewatching Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. The CGI looks pretty bad now. Does it? Believe it or not, yep. Huh. Yeah, so, for example, the first one, when they are in the Mines of Moria, and they're crossing the bridge, and the Balrog comes and attacks them, we're like, that's so fake. Yeah. Yeah. There, There's actually a shot when they're running across that bridge and the camera pans out, Mm -hmm. it looks awful. Yeah. And at the time, it was revolutionary. It's amazing how quickly we get jaded about CGI. You know what movie still holds up? What? Jurassic Park. Yes, that's true. Actually, yes, that's true. And I think it's because they use CGI for some things Mm -hmm. and animatronics for others. They did it sparingly. They did, yeah. Uh, And and I've I've had this screed before, I'm sure, on the podcast. Uh, CGI can only look so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is something it's lost. It's the uncanny valley, right? But it's not just mm-hmm. the uncanny valley. There's something lost when an actor is by himself in a, a green warehouse surrounded by nothing, talking to nothing. Um, there's a reason why Puppet Yoda is better than CGI Yoda. And yep. that's because Puppet Yoda is there physically. You can talk to him. You can touch him. Mm-hmm. He can touch you. There's, there's substance when it's CGI Yoda, it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. And characters are talking through him, mm-hmm. not at him. Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I find that's the case with most CGI. I and, agree. And it's, it's a shame that they don't just get Jim Henson Studios to make your stuff for you. They'll do it. They, they will. They like the work and they're good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Muppets are awesome. Now, okay, <laughs> so now that we've established that Lord of the Rings did not hold up. But Jurassic Park did. Actually, but I have a story about Jurassic Park. Uh, I used to work at a video store, Jumbo Video. I don't know if you guys ever had Jumbo Video out here. I don't they think so. They had an elephant rings, there. Rings a bell, yeah. we may have, but um, certainly not anymore because there aren't video stores anymore. Well, yeah. When Jurassic Park came out, uh, they had the uh, widescreen and pan and scan versions of it. And it was the first time that they had these options because they never really had them before. Right. Because why would you get widescreen? Because your TV was like 18 inches large, right? <laughs> yeah. But now that you had the big screen TVs and people wanted widescreen versions. So to explain this to the consumer, we had two TVs running Jurassic Park, one pan scan, the other widescreen, for 24 hours a day for two weeks. So you Sometimes know. Sometimes they would be slightly out of sync. Oh, my God. I mean, the sound was off, but you'd look at them, and it would be like, oh, the dinosaur, oh, and then the dinosaur. Oh. And it was, yeah. I also know all the words to Beauty and the Beast. I've seen it once. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the lines to Jurassic Park. Now, before we started recording the show, sorry. Well, I was, I was going to interject and say, well, The Hobbit comes out in just a few weeks. Yes. I'm sure Adam already has his ticket. I actually do, for uh, December 16th. There you go. And uh, <laughs> so I'm curious. Do you think the CGI will be better? Well, I certainly do you hope think, so. Do you think Gollum will look will look more real and I think less so. fake yep. in The Hobbit? I think so, but I think, too, that a few years from now, it'll be interesting to revisit this discussion 
and see how well it is hold up, held Book up. it in your calendar. All right. In two, a few two years, years from now, yes. we will look back and discuss <laughs> the, the CGI in The Hobbit. Oh, God. We could have a whole show on The Hobbit. Maybe we will. No, we're not. Um, I <laughs> he says to, that now, but he's lying. <laughs> I'll turn a show into that. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, this idea. Um, in Edmonton, um, a few days before this was recorded, there was a simulcast TEDx women event, mm-hmm. and um, you know there, there's a lot of there's a lot of language that's get, that gets thrown around entrepreneurism. You and I have talked about mompreneurs. Mm-hmm. I am a self-proclaimed unclepreneur, um, just to be a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you you had a whole thing in your head about <laughs> entrepreneurialism, and I want to know what it is that you wanted to say because it is still it does feel like a boys' club. Yep. Um, with the exception of, you know, well, and I'm trying to think of like startup businesses. The only one I can think of is Kendall Barber, Kendall Barber's Poppy and Barley. Yeah. She's the only woman I can think of. And you, of course, Kickpoint. Who else is doing this and why aren't more women doing this? Well, I think that there are lots of women running their own businesses. But I think what happens is that the entrepreneur community, and by this I mean the, you know, the known entrepreneurs, have a very narrow definition of what constitutes a startup and an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? And it's usually the you know, slightly rumpled dude doing a programming e website slash app thing. You think about demo camp, right? I mean, what's the kind of stuff that gets shown off there? And who is it shown off by? Yeah, it's all There dudes. have been women on the teams, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I would love to know, I don't think there's been a single woman-led team presenting a demo camp. And we're at like 20 now. None that I've ever seen. Yeah. I've been to a lot of them. So why is that? Why It's not like there aren't women doing nerdy things, right? And this is my rant that I tell women all the time is, you know, go out and do a speaking engagement. And they say, oh, I don't know if I know enough. And it's like, well, look, men in your field never have these concerns. They're like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll just I'll just make it up. Yeah. You know, just, just do it. Like, don't be like, oh, I'm not ready. The only way you get ready is by saying yes and having a date and then actually doing it. By continually pulling yourself back and not putting yourself out there, you're making yourself invisible. And so I think that what happens is that entrepreneurship continues to be this very narrow definition of who is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have a life. You can't be married. Or you can be married, but it's not going to last very long. You know, or you get married after your success, like yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, right? He got married after Facebook became a big hit, and he actually has a life again. Um, so I think that mompreneurs, as much as the term makes me twitch a little bit, is really a reaction to this narrow definition of entrepreneurs. We wouldn't need people to define themselves separately as mompreneurs if the definition of entrepreneurs is more inclusive in the first place. Mm -hmm. So why do mompreneurs feel the need to define themselves separately if entrepreneur could just be more welcoming of entrepreneurs of all kinds of stripes? It's interesting because mompreneur does sort of, it's a demonstration of the idea that you can be a mother and an entrepreneur. But in a way, it's, it almost, it makes me feel like the only way you can be a, f- a woman entrepreneur is if you're a mom. You know, that's what that's sort of like what I don't like about it mm-hmm. is that the fact that y- you could be a mompreneur and not have a business related to having children mm-hmm. or being married or yep. whatever, but that's typically not the case, at least as far as I know or what and I've seen. I feel like I don't know enough self-described mompreneurs to, to make that distinction, yeah. but I also feel like... I mean, I know a lot of, you know, mommy bloggers who are not comfortable with that phrase either. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why do we have to define? And this is not, you don't, you have some daddy bloggers, right? But you don't have dadpreneurs in the same way. Yeah. And I mean, this could relate back to the whole concept of, you know, women inequality is that why is a woman defined by her marriage, whether or not she has children, et cetera? Like how many Twitter profiles do you see that start off with the word mom versus how many Twitter profiles do you see that start off with the word dad? Yeah, that'd be an interesting study, It would be an interesting actually. study, and I'm willing to bet that you would have more, you know, start off with wife, mom, et cetera, versus what it is that they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and women shouldn't be, in, I mean, part of the great thing about feminism is that you can do whatever the hell you want, right? I mean, that's the thing. is, If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, feminism totally supports you. If you want to say, screw you, kids, and go start your own business, you know, feminism supports you. If you want to have kids and start, start your own business, feminism supports you. Yeah. So I feel like I don't want to say to someone, you can't put mom on your Twitter profile, but is that actually how you want to be defined? And this is the harder questions that you need to ask yourself. And I, mean, I don't have kids. Yeah. I feel like that I would not be able to run the business that I run with children. It's bad enough trying to feed the cats, <laughs> much less, you know, have kids. I hear they're a lot more work than cats. Yeah. So. Cats are pretty high maintenance. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not willing to agree 
wholeheartedly yeah. you with think you that there. the cats are okay all right i, I think uh, i think there needs to be more so am i a cat printer more research. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think you should start describing yourself as a cat, and, it's, a cat and just printer. see what happens. It's really, I, it's it's a it's a it's a preference thing. Like if you, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of women who are mothers feel very strongly about being moms. Like yep. it's one of it's for my mom. My mom has worked her, her whole life, um, you know, and she's still working, and she should be retired. Mother, you should retire. You've earned it. Um, but she and she does phenomenal work. She's great. She, her biggest accomplishment is her three children. Like, that is what she would tell you, mm-hmm. even though there's way more to my mom than that. So it's, it's just a question of preference, though. So my concern is about how that's perceived. And you know what? That's not the mom's problem. That's everyone else's problem. For mm-hmm. some reason, we perceive that less favorably than entrepreneur. That's fucking stupid. We all need to adjust the way we perceive it. It's not up mm-hmm. to those other people. That's my rant. That's, that's a good rant. <laughs> okay, Thank you. Good. Yes. yes. Please tell your friends. <laughs> um, uh, you know what, Scott? We've come to that time in the show. Already. Already. Time, time flies, just, Dana. It did. Do you know what we're talking about? I think this is the, the time where you ask me questions very quickly. I can't remember what it's called, though. The fast something or other. 15? Yes. Now say it together. The fast 15. <laughs> <laughs> Have we already done the Fast 15 with Dana? No. No. I was very sad that you did not. We oh, did well the then. Fast 15 with Catherine Sabo. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that was a very, it was a true variety show. But, it was. But here now is your own Fast 15. Yay. So 15 questions. The first 13 are standard questions we ask of all our guests, and the last two are wild cards tailored to you yeah. and your preferences. <laughs> so excited. And because I'm so fond of talking about geography, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. But we'll start with the standard ones. Number one, your favorite food. Pasta. Your favorite color? Purple. Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. Dogs or cats? Cats. Coffee or tea? Tea. Your favorite holiday? Ooh, uh, Thanksgiving, actually. Really? It's my birthday. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Thank you. It's You get uh, delicious cake and delicious turkey. <laughs> actually, I don't usually get cake. I usually get pumpkin pie with candles in it, but I've put a moratorium on that sort of behavior. I want cake and pie. <laughs> Well, that just makes sense. Yeah. That's going to be... get the best of both worlds. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, your favorite sport? Football. CFL, specifically. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Go Tie Cats. Your favorite pastime? Uh, video games. Your favorite music right now? Uh, it's always trip-hop, actually. Okay. It has been trip-hop for many years. Right on. Yeah. Your favorite movie right now? Oh, that's a tough one. I just saw, um, actually, the new James Bond. It's mm-hmm. a movie I would actually go see again, and Skyfall. that rarely happens. Another movie that I really enjoyed was Go See Again is Red. Red? Do you remember that one? It was uh, Helen Mirren with a machine gun. No, but I remember hearing about it. Yeah, it's got Bruce Willis and Helen Mirren and Morgan Freeman, and is they it, play retired spies who come back. Yep. Yeah, really. It's really good. You should watch it. Well, let's see Plus, if Net- Helen Mirren with Netflix a machine gun. Yeah, which that's automatic win. And yeah. they're making a sequel. Red Two. Yes. Red Two. Red Two is the name of my favorite X-wing pilot. <laughs> uh, you mentioned your favorite pastime is video games. So, what's your favorite video game right now? Civilization Five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Yeah. Yeah. And the que- the golden question for me, the last of our standard questions, Star Wars or Star Trek? Ooh, Star Trek. Really? Yeah. You know, I feel like there's more. Star Trek The Next Generation, specifically. Lovely. Now available yeah. on Canadian Netflix. That's true. Really? Yes. Oh, oh her eyes just lit <laughs> right up. Well, thank God. My wife is watching a really embarrassing TV show, and we just finished it on Netflix. And it's been actually really annoying. It's called Drop Dead Diva, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> Oh. It's she's really enjoying it. I don't understand why. Thank God it's over. So now we can watch Star Trek. <laughs> can I one up you on that? Yeah. Uh, RuPaul's. Yes, I've heard it's amazing. <laughs> RuPaul's I can't Drag remember. Race. Drag Race. Rachel has been watching. It's it's on our list of things to watch. I think I've heard it's a hell of a lot of fun. My secret shame. Yeah. TV sh- secret shame is uh, America's Next Top Model. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, we we should move on because we could talk about this forever. Okay. Your two wild card questions, starting with. What do you miss most about Hamilton? Uh, the old buildings. Really? Yeah. We don't really have those here, do we? You have a few, but your definition of old and my definition of old, I think, are a little bit different. Yeah. So, like, the house I lived in in Hamilton was built in the 1860s. 
it was, you know, they sold the servants' bells in the basement. It had this beautiful um, wood-burning fireplace with ceramic surround, exposed brick. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous house. Holy cow. And that was just like a house, nothing special. Yeah. You know. Pretty standard. Brick. That's what I miss. Brick. brick. And Edmonton was two houses and a farm at that point. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. And the farm, the house on the farm was made out of sod. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just decomposed at this point. That's right, yeah. yeah. And the final wild card question, what would you miss most about Edmonton? Uh, the people. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. It's the obvious answer because it's, it's the, the best answer. But, you know, it's funny it's because right I think Calgary is a prettier town mm-hmm. in terms of architecture. I feel like their downtown has a lot more interesting stuff in it. Yeah. But the people here are amazing. And that's definitely the thing that I, I will not miss the cold winters. Nope. I will not miss the lack of sun. I will not miss the weird Soviet era brutalist architecture. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I will definitely miss the people. Right on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being on the show, Dana. It was thank a you pleasure. for having me. Yes. And uh, Merry Christmas. You too. Sorry. Happy holidays. Oh, no. You can say Merry okay. Christmas. It's okay. I, I'm not taking it back then. Merry Christmas. Or else. Or else. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 77. Our guest, Dana DiTomaso. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Uh, where are we coming from? Coming to you almost live from the, I don't know, any ideas? Owen's office. That's from literally where we're coming from. Yeah. That, it didn't, you know. <laughs> the center of the startup universe. No. <laughs> Sorry, did I almost make you spit out your beverage? Yes, you nearly did. <laughs>